Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch Podcast. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, mate. No Barley tonight. He's off being a good Samaritan. Uh, he's done the right thing for once. So uh, we'll miss Barley, but we'll we'll catch up with him another time. Uh, but we've got lots to talk about. It's the end of a transfer window, and Spurs have signed players, which is nice. Um, so let's talk about that. Giovanni Lo Celso, who is not actually called Giovanni Lo Celso. <laughs> Thanks for that, Nathan. You've, uh, you set me, up, set me up good there, didn't you? Where did I hear Lo Celso from first? No, I, no, no, no. Back, back originally, I was calling him Lo Celso. I remember Same. this. And then, and then I heard, I don't know, someone Spanish or someone Argentinian calling him Lo Celso and I changed it up. So I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna track down who's responsible. It's like a... I, I, I think someone posted a clip of highlights footage and uh... the commentator said Lo Celso within the highlights footage and therefore it's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about him and do you like him and how do you think he's going to fit in? Yeah, I, I do like him. I do think he's he's really good. He um, So we, we obviously we talked to him a little bit. Um, so like he um, mainly played as more of a central midfielder um, in Argentina, I think, and also, but especially at PSG. And then for Betis, he moved forward where he sometimes played um, behind the front two in a diamond or in the front two um, with a back five or whatever. Um, and scored a bunch of goals for Betis last season, but but most of his career he's been a sort of a creative, not quite controlling, but a, a sort of a calm playmaker type. Um, and I think that that's more of the side we'll see as, of him. Though I, I also think that we will lean into his his positional versatility and and use him wherever we need him. But um, I mean, the the obvious similarity for us is is with Ericsson, um, who's still at the club. Um, so if Ericsson is staying, it'll be really interesting to see how they're used in tandem. Um, but I think at least long term, the idea is that Lo Celso is his long term replacement. Um, now, again, he's really good. He's really exciting. He's he's really special. He's, he's an excellent purchase. Uh, but there are definitely um, 
ways in which he is a downgrade on Ericsson, right? And that, that that's not anything to get all up, upset about because, like, essentially what I'm talking about is the creation of chances. And that's because Ericsson absolutely churns them out at a historic rate and very few players in the world are capable of doing that. So Lo Celso, Celso, Jesus, Lo Celso is a downgrade on that part. Um but you're also you're trading in. He sort of he goes a bit harder into fifty fifties. He's more comfortable than Ericsson in deeper positions. He may well play in a midfield too. We'll see about that. Um, he damn. <laughs> <laughs> other things. Yeah, other things. Do you know what I? I think I I love Ericsson. Obviously, I think he's a remarkable. Oh, he's a better player. finisher. Sorry, mate. <laughs> he's a, he's yeah, a better yeah. finisher. Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> God. Uh, I think Ericsson is brilliant and I hope he stays but I think Luchelso adds something if he's to play in the eight role that Ericsson played last year um Ericsson was not half the player in that role in my opinion I thought he was a lot better when he was playing further up the pitch for us either on the left or on the right um and tucking into midfield and, and doing some midfieldy things occasionally but Luchelso for me is a better defensive player who can then also yeah. drive forward with the ball and still maintains good creative passing. So yeah, I mean you don't you can't replace Ericsson when you're a club like Spurs. It's it's almost impossible to do. Um so what you have to do is look for a similar skill set that might be, you know, not quite as good in some areas, but you know, perhaps better in other areas. And whilst yes, you're right, we are downgrading in terms of his creative abilities, we're probably upgrading in his defensive screening. So if we are to play uh, a diamond, and we'll come back to that, I think it's a, probably a, a, a better fit in, in our midfield. And he's 23. The upside is amazing. It's a great time to get him. I'm, I'm intrigued by the structure of the deal. So we've got him on loan, um, and we've you know, presumably paid quite a significant loan fee for him for the year, with an obligation to buy. And the the rumour is that this is designed to... So, we, so some of the loan fee is then taken off the eventual fee we pay next year, which means that PSG get less of a percentage when we eventually buy him. Is that what you've heard as well? Yeah, I've heard similar. I mean, you know, it's not like we ever directly deal with PSG and therefore have to maintain a good relationship <laughs> with them. Right. And I mean, the thing is, I, I, I do believe that could be true because it seems too weird to not be true. And also we've been chasing him for the whole summer. So you'd think we'd have sorted out a deal some way by now. Um, but are PSG, PSG's lawyers really that stupid? That's the only thing I'm thinking. Like that is that is like an obvious loophole. Uh, and I'd be quite surprised if they missed that one. But who knows? Um, so think, did that's... we do something similar before with, was it, who did we, with Swansea? So we had a back and forth. We had a player swap situation. Was it how we, we got Sigurdsson? I think Sigurdsson had a buy-on clause. And so we didn't buy him. Uh, we swapped. Oh, no, I'm getting it all mixed up and wrong and backwards. Tom but, Carroll, was it? I yeah. forget. It was Vorm, Vorm and Sigurdsson moved yeah. uh, from Swansea to us. I forget as well. I think you're right. We we did something strange with Zeki Fries as well. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to to avoid him going to Man U. So we've um, got so previous in this. We've got previous. Yeah, yeah, sure. So aside from Lo Celso, and I, I'm so tempted to keep saying Lo Celso, but I must, I must tra- <laughs> retrain my brain. Uh, we also signed Ryan Sessegnon, um, who a lot of people are down on because he didn't have such a great season last year. Uh, but in my opinion, he has a huge upside. What do you think of Sessegnon, Nathan? I love him. I've been I've been big on him for a while. Um, I I thought we were gonna get him like a couple of years ago, and then it looked like that went away, and I sort of given up, and I'd I'd resigned to the idea that he was he was going to go to City or he you know whatever else. 
Um, and then he had this this uh, by perception poor season at Fulham, which I don't mm. agree with at all. Mm. And suddenly he's back in our scopes, and hey, we've landed him. Yeah, he's I'm I'm really really excited by him. Uh, I, I keep saying that for me, and I, and it seems to be echoed by by Pochettino based on the reports coming out. But for me, he his future is is best off playing left back. Um, but if he you know can't transition to to returning to left back if he can't handle that defensive side um then he's still a young player with a brilliant attacking upside who can play a variety of attacking roles um i've watched a fair bit of him at uh, england youth level because he he's played alongside marcus edwards uh, mm. and kyle walker peters and 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 foden and everyone um quite a bit and he really stood out uh maybe as the best player on the pitch in an absolutely outstanding group of talented players, um, you know, the best England generation for at least a very long time. Um, yeah, he's a special player. And the strange thing about Cessignon is that he's, he's 19. He's so young. So he's younger than TJ Oyoma and Tashana Oakley Booth, which is just absolutely nuts. He's played just under 9,000 minutes of first team football and over 2,000 in the Premier League. So, I mean, it's, it's highly unusual you get a young player who has that many minutes under their belt so we've kind of got a I feel we've got a bargain with with Cessignon. I think he's got a lot of growth to do, but the ceiling is enormously high. Um, very exciting prospect. Like you, I mean, if, if he doesn't end up being a great left back, and I, I personally think he will be a left back in time, he's a really good attacking midfielder. He can play either side. He's even, I've, I've even seen him play in the middle. Yeah. Uh, he's got lovely awareness of space. And the only thing is, I mean, he's not the quick, like he's not super fast. He hasn't got that kind of acceleration yet. And I say yet because we know that we've seen players like Harry Kane, for example, develop that over time. You know, you you work on the right muscle groups and you practice that that kind of standing start stuff over time. And that that can be added to a player's repertoire. And I feel like Cessignon with a burst of acceleration would be like almost Bale-esque in, in the way he could he could be performing. Um, I'm massively excited about Cessignon. I think he's a really good signing. Um, bit disappointed that Onomar's gone the other way, but that was kind of inevitable at this point. And I'm, I'm pleased for Onomar that he's now got a permanent move and will hopefully get regular games in midfield because I think there's a good player there. Um, and, you know, he was he was stagnating at Spurs over a, a number of years. So, so best of luck to him. Um, but yeah, I think the signings we made today on deadline day are hugely exciting. And one thing I was looking at and, and thinking about is how I feel about the window as a whole. And I, I tweeted that if, you know, if you'd slept for the whole summer and just woken up today and realised that we've signed Jack Clark and Dombele, Lo Celso and Cessignon, you'd be absolutely thrilled with that. That is that is a remarkable upgrade in our squad. Um, obviously seeing Trippier, Lee, Vorm, Llorente, Onoma and Janssen, none of those are players that either are going to trouble the first team or that we particularly like in Trippier's case. So that, that that is a significant upgrade. The only thing is, the only downside is, we've been chasing these players seemingly since the start of the window and it's taken us quite a long time to land them. Um, do, are you worried about that, Nathan? Are you worried that it's going to take Lo Celso and Cessignon time to adapt to Pochettino's methods and, you know, they might ultimately have a bit of a bedding in period like Lucas did, for example? So Alistair Gold made a, a good point on Twitter a few hours ago where he said that um, uh, so Lo Celso was at Copa America and Cessignon was injured. So neither of these players could realistically be signed much earlier than we did actually agree the deals for them. They wouldn't have been, you know, playing in the preseason squads. Um, I also think that 
neither of these are players that we desperately need to perform, you know, this weekend. I, 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 you know, the player that we needed to bed in early, Tangi and Dombele, we got in early. I think um, certainly Sessegnon can really take his time to develop into a left back because we still have two left backs at the club. Mm. Um, and Lascelles, so there's not a huge rush, especially again, Ericsson is still at the club, but there's not a huge rush for him. I think that, you know, he can take a couple of months and, and we aren't like all panic stations. Um, yeah, we've, we've, and most Spurs fans has, but we especially have, have complained about the club getting players in late, but I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's a huge concern in these particular cases. Okay. You made me feel better about that, to be fair. Um, so the other things that were rumoured to be happening today, we had a brief dalliance with Dybala, which I guess we'll never know what, what happened there, but it definitely seemed for a while. So that was a deal that was going to happen. And then suddenly it was all off again. And you, well, well. Just, no, I, I, you're right. I, I made myself believe. I allowed myself to believe that <laughs> that my club, the little old Tottenham Hotspur, were going to sign Paolo Dybala. What an idiot I am! Ah, uh, I know, I know. And then the image rights stuff hits, and who know, who knows what went on? There's, there's lots of conflicting stories around that, and I guess we'll never know the the, the truth, as it were. Um, but also Yusuf Atal, who mm. you you are big on. I you know following your recommendations, I've watched quite a bit of him now, and am big on him also. When it seemed for a while like we might offload Aurier and sign Atal, I was very excited. And we'll come on to right back because I think there is a slight concern there, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But were you disappointed that we couldn't land Atal? Yeah. So we go back to your sort of if you slept through the summer and you heard mm. who we signed thing. Yeah, the first thing I would say was would be you know oh my god I can't believe we signed three players of this caliber. And then I would say, wait, what is happening at right back? Like, yeah. has Sissoko been playing at right back in preseason? Um, so yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it, you don't want to sort of moan, especially not today. You don't want to be like, oh, and I have been doing this. I'm guilty of doing this. You don't want to be like, oh, we haven't signed a right back because we haven't, but like, uh, <laughs> like we should focus on the positive. Um, but also like we haven't signed a right back. Yeah. <laughs> So let's okay. Let's do the right back thing now because we've got ourselves. Oh, we've said it before many, many times that we've got ourselves into a pickle with our right back. So last season we had Trippier, we had Aurier, we had Walker Peters. We, as a result of having three, Walker Peters barely played. So we don't really know what he can or can't do. What we do know is that Walker Peters was absolutely outstanding for the under 18s. Uh, he was in the England squads throughout his youth career. He is a technically excellent player. He's a very strong dribbler. Um, he's creative from right back. He's got reasonable recovery pace, but he's very small. Uh, he gets knocked off the ball fairly easily. He loses a lot of aerial challenges. So there are sort so- sort of question marks there. And Aurier is a player who has been incredibly hit and miss at Spurs so far. When he's been good, he's been absolutely fine, verging on better than fine. When he's been bad, he's been an absolute nightmare, a calamity, and he's been laughed off the pitch for taking foul throws. You know, that is a risk, leaving yourself with an untried player and Serge Aurier at right back. Um, what, you know, is, is, is Sissoko a realistic option? Is one fourth a realistic option? Or do we just go with Walker Peters and see what happens? I think all of them are in a similar boat in in, in the all of them have the potential to work out. Guy Walker pieces as a player as a whole very much has the potential to work out. The idea of Sissoko at right back, you know, when you look at his skill set, what what his strengths and weaknesses are, you go, well, that profiles quite well as a right back. 
Foyth, again, I, I, I've, I've mentioned my, my qualms over his pace. Um, but otherwise, he's a really good, talented young player. So all of them have a good reason why they may well work out well as a right back. Um, but none of them have proven. None of them are have been experimented with while we've had the chance to. Um, so all of them high risk. Okay, maybe if you're you've got three gambles, <laughs> one of them's going to pay hmm. off, right? But it still means that we have to fail through two of them before we arrive at, at something going well there for us. Is one solution playing three at the back and having Walker Peters and Sessignon as wing backs? Yeah, I think that that can help. I think that sort of decreases the defensive duty essentially because they're playing a slightly more attacking role. But there's not a huge amount of difference between a Pochettino fullback and a Pochettino wingback. Yeah. Um, and I also think that the investments that we've made as midfielders and the midfielders that we've kept means that it's going to be hard to find a way to get three centre backs um, onto the pitch. You know, one of your faves is going to miss out in order yeah. to get, you know, Foyth or Sanchez into the 11. Absolutely right. Okay, so we're going to turn now to the first game of the season, which is Aston Villa. And I had the privilege of speaking to Martin Lawrence, who's head of content creation at whoscored.com. And more importantly, a big Villa fan. Um, I really enjoyed my chat with Martin. He was great. And I hope you enjoyed what he had to say. Martin, firstly, tell us about yourself, uh, both your job at Who Scored, as well as your fandom, your your dalliance with Aston Villa. Yeah, OK. Hi there. Uh, I started at Who Scored eight years ago now, over eight years ago. Uh, sort of chanced my arm at uh, joining to become a Spanish preview writer, believe it or not. Uh, and ended up landing a sort of editorial role. And from there, I've sort of progressed up the ladder, as it were. One of the parts of the furniture now, so I've been there for <laughs> time. Uh, in terms of Villa, I support them because of my oldest brother, really. And <laughs> the story behind that, we're both from Colchester, so Essex, so nowhere near Birmingham. Uh, but he started supporting Villa because they were the first team he saw beat Manchester United, who were the team that all his friends supported. So, <laughs> so that was nice. a little from. And since then, I've sort of taken it a bit too far, really. Uh, but yeah, I've just supported them ever since, since I was about five, I'd say. Since nice. I, I suspect we're of a similar age then, because when I was growing up, all my friends at, at primary school supported Man U. Actually, that's not true. All of them supported different clubs and then started supporting Man U. Yeah. Uh, and one of my dad's proudest things was that I maintained my Spurs fandom when all my mates were changing their allegiance. Um, can I talk to you a little bit more about who scored? Uh, it's, it's a fantastic website for many reasons. It's It was one of the first sites that made stats kind of accessible. Um, and I mean that in a, in a literal sense. So you could actually get your hands on data, but also the way it was presented made it easy for the layman like myself to kind of try and understand what was going on a bit more with, with data and, and, and the way data was recorded. Um, What's it like? What's it like to work for you? Who's called as the company, and and where? What, what what kind of? How do you see them operating now? Because there's so many competitors. Obviously, um, data is so huge in football now. Yeah. Well, is it? Well, what it's like to work there is good. It's good fun. I can't lie. It's, um, you get to talk about football all day with people that I've known for years now. So we we are a smaller team than most people would would think, but uh, just a team of people that love football really. So I, I can't complain about going into work every day. Um, in terms of where where I see us going in the future, we've always been sort of keen to sort of carry on uh, catering to sort of the, the the mass market, like you say, that maybe the layman, as it were. Um, obviously, there's a there's a lot of great companies out there that 
delve really deep into statistics and analysis and stuff like that. And we do look to do that as well. But our, I believe, like, I, I wasn't there from the very start, but our focus was to, to create products that um, gave an idea of how a game panned out and how players performed in particular without actually having to have watched that game to have an, to have an idea straight away live what was happening, how players were performing, and then to take your own sort of take your own knowledge from that and watch the game later if you had to and, and sort of garner stuff from that. So it was it was catered to what it, it's been a good tool for people. There's been a lot of football blogs that have started since we started and stuff like that. So it's a great tool for them to analyze not only their own players but opposition players and stuff like that. We we're used quite frequently by clubs and stuff now in terms of scouting in terms of our player ratings. Uh, so, yeah, um, just continuing to do the same things, really. We do, we do have plans to expand in the near future, so it, it should be exciting times ahead. But, yeah, still still very much catering towards towards your average everyday football fan and bringing them the data that they nice. nice. And if we turn our attentions to Villa a bit, yeah. um, I mean... You've made a huge number of signings, and I don't know if it's too obvious to say or or too lazy to ask whether the, there are concerns over doing a Fulham. Does it, is that something that worries you? Uh, I wouldn't say that it is. I'd say that it is sort of a bit. It is a bit quick to say that, just because there are there are differences in the two. I know Fulham did lose players last summer, but not to the extent that Villa did. We had. I think effectively when when all the loans ended as well, because we had six players on loan, we had I think it was either thirteen or fourteen players leave the club at the end of the season with contracts running out and stuff. Not all of them were were first team regulars or anything, but senior players. So it left us with a squad of I think fifteen or sixteen players over the age of twenty one, which obviously isn't enough uh, to go into a Premier League season. And of those players, there were still players like Scott Hogan and Aaron Tishbola, both of whom will will leave not Premier League quality players. So it doesn't surprise me that we made a lot of signings, but I, I must admit the, the amount that we have made, uh, not so much the money we've spent because I think it's been spread around quite wisely, uh, but the amount of signings we've made has been, uh, I don't think any Villa fan would say that hasn't been a surprise. Um, but with Fulham, I think I think they did a, a similar number of deals, maybe 12, 12, 13 deals, but I think I wrote an article for the Guardian on it a little while back and researched it, I think around eight of those deals were made in the final week of the transfer window. And obviously that doesn't give you time to bed players in, get them used to a system. And what Villa have done that Fulham didn't is get players in early, get them used to Dean Smith's way of thinking. And pre-season in general has been been very good. We've won, won every game in pre-season, some good wins in there as well. Beat Leipzig in Leipzig. So, yeah, then the new recruits have bedded in well from what we can tell. When you sign that many players, obviously you can't guarantee that. I'd say in any transfer window, you're looking at around half of those players being what you consider big successes, and that would be a good return. So if six or seven of those players turn out to be good first-team players, then I think it's a, a good transfer window. That's a really pertinent point you made about getting the players in early and giving them a chance to adapt to the, to the manager's system, um, particularly as Spurs fans are having this exact conversation about our kind of sluggish approach to the transfer window where we seem to be doing deals quite late on and, and we're worried, therefore, that players won't be up to speed for a few weeks. Um, Villa are obviously on the absolute opposite. Is there is there someone who's stood out for you in pre-season so far that you've kind of 
you, you didn't necessarily know much about who's immediately caught your eye? From the new signings, I'd say of those that have maybe impressed more, uh, most more than they expected, I'd say the two players on the right, Fred Gilbert, the right back, who we actually signed in January and then loaned back to Court for the second half of the season, and um, Hotter from Birmingham, ironically. Um, when he was at Brentford under Dean Smith, he was a really talented player. And I think that without wanting to dig out Birmingham too much, their system didn't really suit him. And you can see in pre-season with Villa under Smith's way of playing again, he's been, he's been very strong. Uh, he was, he's our cheapest transfer this summer and one of, certainly one of the best performers of the lot. So he's been very good. Uh, again, I think he'll be rotated in and out. I don't think he's a guaranteed starter, but he's been really good. And yeah, Tom Heaton was excellent on his debut against Leipzig. I think that's a great signing. And Wesley looked good up front. So, yeah, all, all positive so far, really. Good. Hot is a player I really like. Um, he's quite an interesting player. He's someone who, when he was at Brentford, he suffered from homesickness. Um, and there was a lot of talk of him going back to Spain regularly. I think he had a young family at the time and he was travelling back and forth a lot. And I think that was why a lot of bigger clubs turned their noses up a little bit because he, he clearly had the talent um, even back then. Um, so I think he'll be a, a great signing in time for Villa. Um, if we go back a little bit, um, and this is something that Nathan's asked me to ask about. Nathan's from our podcast. He said, it seemed like Villa's 2015 summer was fueled by analytical scouting, but it went horribly wrong. Does there, as a result, exist a fear of this approach within your fan base? So you've got players like Amavi, Gay and Vertu and even Traore have gone on to do well, but obviously flopped at Villa. Are your fans now sceptical about using analytics to scout players? Uh, I'd say there's like fan bases it, from any club. There's always some that are sort of more old school, don't really like the analytical side of things in terms of statistics. Uh, so I think there's always going to be some like that. I think that summer Villa signed a lot of them with the right players, maybe at the wrong time. The, the mix, the mix crucially wasn't right. They maybe weren't the right characters at that time. They weren't, they weren't all, I wouldn't say they were all flops. Some of them did work. Idrissa Gay, you could see straight away that he was a good, a very good player. And that's why obviously he stayed in the Premier League with Everton. Jordan Amavi, again, a very good young player who got a serious injury and that really set him back. Uh, and Jordan Vertu, for one reason or another, he was another one who suffered from homesickness quite badly. I know that. And we signed them alongside players like Michael Richards, Jolien Lescott, Rudy Justed. So I'd say it was more sort of, some muddled thinking in there. Some of it was analytical, definitely, and I wouldn't say they were bad signings at all because, like you said, they've gone on to be good players. Mm. Uh, so you said, I don't think any fan can really rule out analytical scouting. Every single club does it, but there has to be a balance, and I think obviously you have to back up statistical profiling with actually going to watch the player regularly, seeing what they're like on the pitch, but also understanding what they're like off the pitch, and I think that's been the big difference this time around there's been a lot of talk at Villa in terms of signing the right characters the right uh, mentality of player that's going to fit into the system fit into the way of thinking at the club and I think uh, there's a lot of confidence from that so yeah I think that's the main difference this time around Nice and obviously they've got you feeding them who's called data uh, on, on all their potential signings as well um, if we talk about Villa more generally um, what would you say are your strengths and weaknesses and what kind of style of play is Smith going to implement this year? Smith has already, uh, already stated that his, his style of play won't, won't change, never. He likes to have the ball. Uh, he likes to play high up the pitch at a high tempo, press when he can. 
Uh, it does. It's not always the most defensively sound football. He admit himself. Like if, if Villa go one up, they they tend not to sit back. Tend to go for the second. Obviously, that will be tempered a bit in the Premier League. You can't be naive to say that we're going to go and try and dominate teams now. Um, but there's still going to be that ethos that we want to have the ball. We're not we're not as good without the ball. We've got players who can dictate play, uh, and that's our that's a, to that extent that's our strength as well. In the middle of the pitch, obviously Jack Grealish, who Tottenham fans will know well, uh, John McGinn, uh, players that can get about the pitch and create and score goals. So we're good from central areas. In terms of strengths and weaknesses, it's, it's difficult this season because there have been so many changes. It's difficult to know whether the strengths that we had last season will actually carry over. Last season we scored a lot of goals from crosses, a lot of headed goals. Tammy Abraham was obviously quite prolific in that sense. We scored a decent amount from set pieces, but he's not there anymore. The wingers are all changed. So it's difficult to say what our strengths will be on the pitch. I think one of the main strengths is, is the coach. Dean Smith, he's, he's come in and implemented his style of play and everyone knows what they're doing and he understands the club, obviously, as a fan. He understands the fans. So a strength is having having Dean Smith, a Villa fan, as a coach, having Jack Grealish, a Villa fan, as a captain. There's a there's a unity in the group now that wasn't there when we went down. Someone was quite toxic then and it seems really together now. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, a strength. Uh, in terms of weaknesses, again, it's hard to say just because of the amount of changes, but... So before, certainly before Tyron Mings came in and everything like that, uh, we were shipping hatfuls of goals. We still, even by the end of the season, we one of the worst defensive records in the championship. So I think that's why the signings that we did make early were generally defenders. We signed an entire new back including Mings and House, who returned and stuff like that. So we needed to get the defenders in early and get them used to playing together, I think, because there was too much, uh, well, there was a lack of continuity there last season. The evening goal, four different goalkeepers played over the season I think so yeah t- suddenly Tom Heaton like I say has, has sort of remedied that I think assuming he stays clear of injury so yeah that was a weakness last season a lack of continuity a lack of depth uh, which boiled down to Steve Bruce as much as anything else uh, it's so it's so nice to hear you speak with such positivity because I know you know Villa fans have been through quite a tough time and yeah. if, certainly if fans of, of my age or around my age when you think of Aston Villa, you think of one of the elite clubs. You think of like a, a definitely a top tier club, and it, it's felt wrong with them not being in the Premier League. Um, and I think Spurs and Villa uh, that have always had a bit of a rivalry because we have always been clubs of a similar size, um, clubs that share a, a city or an area with with a rival, um, and and the fans have kind of therefore had a, a bit of a mini rivalry between us. But I, you know, when Villa went down, I I felt terribly, terribly sorry for. All of, all of your fan base because it was just the ownership just ruining things for what was going you know a club that was going in the right direction so it's great to hear you so positive so if I give you one final question yeah. what are your expectations for the season Martin? I think there's a there's, there's fans sort of similar age to myself uh, who this season they're, they're the sort of most optimistic they've been as a Villa fan not saying that we'll we'll have our best finish in the Premier League or anything at all like that that would be that would be crazy but there's a Having gone through such a low to be back on the up, so to speak, uh, everyone's there's a, there's a buzz about the club. So yeah, we're definitely heading in the right direction. And like I said, under this manager, with these players, there's a connection to the fans and the players now that wasn't there a few seasons ago. Everyone's just really optimistic. I I think there's there's nine or ten teams in the Premier League this season that there's there's nothing between them really. You could throw a blanket over all of them. So 
uh, there's a lot of scope for where Villa could finish, in my opinion. I don't think, uh, obviously, the you'd be na- naive to say that the sort of the main objective isn't survival because it has to be because it is that competitive. But I think Villa will be and Dean Smith in particular will be pushing for more. The fans will want more, uh, and I think we'll be sort sort of aiming for around certainly mid table around tenth at best maybe and bottom at worst sort of thing. Anything. <laughs> So I think we'll come somewhere in the middle of that. I'd be happy with a 14th, 15th, 16th. I'd be happy with survival, but I think there's more to this team than that. Lovely, Martin. Thank you so much. Um, that was great. It's lovely to get your thoughts on Villa and you know, perhaps we'll get you back on for the reverse fixture later in the season. Um, where can people find you online if they want to follow you? Uh, so I'm on uh, Twitter at MartinLawrence7 or obviously through at WhoScored. Uh, yeah, that's, that's basically the only place you want to follow me. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thank you, Martin. I really appreciate your time and you know, best of, best of luck for the season, although perhaps not this first game. Yeah. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So thank you again to Martin, who was excellent. Um, Nathan, what what do you make of Villa? How do you feel about them? I haven't paid a huge, a huge amount of attention to them, um, but I understand that there's a bit of fanfare around their summer activity. Um, I know that they've managed to keep um, Ginn and Grealish, so that's impressive in of its own right. And they seem to have invested fairly heavily. They bought Jota, uh, Jota, bloody hell, from Wolves. Um, yeah, they, it seems like they've got some interesting ideas going on at Villa at the moment. So um, generally as a season, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, but the weekend particularly, I'm really not sure what to expect from them. Mate, I just need to say, Jota is so Yadar. That is, that is a, a <laughs> absolute, that is literally what my dad would say. <laughs> so perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Villa. I like Villa this season. I, I feel like um, they could be the Wolves of this season. They've got mm. a really exciting young manager. They've they've signed some really good players. And I think in Grealish and McGinn, they have two supremely talented midfielders. I think Grealish is absolutely nailed on to be in an England squad this season, if not the next England squad. Um, he's, he's excellent. He's such a good player these days. And McGinn will surprise a few people. He's an absolute ball of energy, as I said in the interview with Martin, and a box of tricks. I love, I, I think McGinn is, uh, is really special and I, I think he'll do well in the Premier League. Um, how do you think we're going to line up for this game? Presumably the new signings aren't going to be available other than Ndombele. So what, what do you think we do? What formation will we play? 
Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I haven't really thought specifically about the upcoming game. I get so distracted by sort of transfers and therefore the long term. You don't really think about the weekend. And I think that, like, <laughs> unfortunately, we have allowed deadline day itself to become an activity. So you don't really think of that being so surely followed by yeah. a game, don't you? Um, but let, let, let's, let's map it out now then. So, you know, Larice is definitely going to be in sure. goal. Um, the two centre backs, the centre backs we know they're going to be the Belgians. Do, do, I think we have to assume that Danny Rose plays left back because Davis still isn't fully fit. Yeah, uh, Rose had a good showing in in the preseason that he was there for. I think that the situation with with him, even though he was rumored to be at, was it Watford today, I think that yeah. I think I very much thought the situation with him was was sort of well, you know, if we can find a good transfer for you, you can go, and if we don't, then let's keep you going for another year. I don't think there's any like I don't think there's a falling out there. I don't think there's any sort of like there may well be with Ericsson. I don't think there's any sort of dangling out the window. I think that he's mm. he's good to go from the off when we're happy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we, we've agreed that Rose is left back unless the whole Watford thing has left him furious, in which case, God, Anthony Georgie's playing left back against Aston Villa. Um, let's assume Kyle Walker-Peters is going to be the right back because, again, it's, it's him or Sissoko at this point with injury and availability. Yeah, I, I would certainly hope that we, we haven't seen other options. Walker-Peters, um, yeah, I I was impressed with him in pre-season and he, it's continued the same pattern where I think he has a really promising good game and then he makes a, a big defensive mistake that, uh, you know, unfortunately overwhelms the rest of his performance. Um, but, you know, we haven't got a better option. Um, mm. So at least he's getting minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I think it's going to be Winks and Ndombele in midfield. Yes. Uh, and then ahead of them, I guess it's Ericsson if he's staying. Um, Delhi. I think maybe Lamella might be in for a start for this one. Uh, we don't know what the situation with Ericsson, what the feeling is in the club. I think that uh, fans have probably within themselves, without, without ourselves, exaggerated uh, the, the situation with Ericsson. He may well be in exactly the same boat of Roses. Oh, okay, you're staying. That's fine. Start the match. You're fit mm. and, and everything. Or, yeah, it may well be the worst case scenario where everyone's fallen out and he's, you know, not taking part in training and all that kind of stuff. So in that sort of, let's call it a worst case scenario, obviously Lo Celso isn't ready to start because he's just arrived in the country. I think Lamella would be taking Ericsson's place at the moment. And then Lucas and Kane up top? Yeah, I think so. So so are we going are we going like a four four two diamond then? So with Ndombele, Winks, Lamella and Delhi in midfield? Uh, I think the 11 that we've named could well be a diamond, but I also think that it lends itself well to a 4-2-3-1 because I don't think you really want to be playing either of Lamella or Delhi as a number eight. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely play Delhi there. He did play there a fair amount the season gone. Um, but for me, that's, that's a 4-2-3-1 with Delhi through the middle, Lamella on the right and, uh, Lucas on the left. Oh, wait, no, Delhi's injured. Which means it'll be Sissoko, which means it pretty much has to be a diamond. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that that will tie in nicely, because I'm going to ask you uh, about our fo- most used formation next season in a moment, so get your thinking cap on about that. Um, let's talk about the, the forthcoming season more generally. Um, do, have you got anything that kind of immediately comes to mind? What are your general thoughts on how things will go for us this year? I'm optimistic. Uh, obviously, we've, we've pointed out our major issue at right back, Um and it's going to be one like with the midfield where we bang on about it for a long time we're probably going to be banging on about this for a long time and and it'll probably 
we'll fall into the trap of of blaming most of our problems on a single situation right um i do think that it will cause us problems i do think it will hold us back but not as much as i think as our midfield issues did right i uh, simply the middle is more important than the wide areas right i don't think teams are going to be able to completely disrupt our entire game mm. as much right so i am optimistic i think that we will improve on the previous season certainly in, in the league or not in our week-to-week performances um what that actually sort of works out to doesn't really depend on us it, you know if if we can put up an 80 85 point season we can be really proud of ourselves we can play some some great football in the way we can you know create some some historic statistics of our own record breaking we can celebrate our new stadium in the way that it should be done and and maybe that doesn't work out to a particularly impressive even positioning in the league table because Liverpool and City at the moment are threatening to continue to be ridiculously good um but we can we can have a season to be proud of and that's all I ever really want from my club yeah that's very very nicely put I I think I feel the same I I feel like the the signings we've made mean that third place should be nailed on this year um I, I think we can push for second you know I really do think we can push for second I think Liverpool are a really good team and I I feel like Naby Keita will improve mm. them this year because he's had a bit of time to settle in. He's an excellent player and I think he'll be very good. But Salah dropped off a little last year from the previous season. Mane, I don't think, will have as good a season as last year. And I can just see us being as good as, as Liverpool. Um, and I, I, I just would love to give them a run for second. I, I do honestly think that City will finish probably 10 or 12 points ahead of the next best team. Um, with De Bruyne back in, in the swing of things, I, I just feel like they're, they're so good. They've signed well. They've got even more depth than they had before. And now they've got Bernardo becoming like one of the best players in the league as well, uh, alongside De Bruyne, who already is one of the best players in the league. I, I just think they're unstoppable and will accumulate a ridiculous points total. But I think we can push for second, and I'm very excited about that. Um, Nathan, we're going to do some very quick-fire thoughts now, okay. and we've, neither of us has thought about this. We've made a, we've made a pact not to plan anything. <laughs> okay. um, I'm just going to say the things, and we're going to say the first thing that comes into our head, okay? And we can have some fun looking back on this at the end <laughs> of the season. Uh, so what do you think our most used formation will be this season? Uh, maybe a diamond, but no clear answer. Okay, I'm going to say four-two-three-one. I think we're going to go back to old-school potch pressing with the four-two-three-one. Nice. Um, who do you think is going to be our player of the season? Uh, Tanky and Donvale. Yeah, I was really tempted to say the same, but I'm going to say I'm going to be boring and say Harry Kane. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, who do you think is going to have their breakthrough season this year? Oh, I tell you what, I really hope that it's Kyle Walker Peters. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, can I say Harry Winks? No, he's already broken well, through. He's already broken through. I, well, okay. For for the record, I think Harry Winks is going to be elite this year, and I'm very excited about that. I I feel um, that. I feel that though. I'm with you there. But I'm going to go. Okay, uh, if you're saying Walker Peters, just to be different, I'll say Juan Foyth um, because I love nice. that kid and I think he's special. Um, final one. Are we going to win anything? Uh, yeah, we'll win the FA Cup this year. Yeah, yeah. I think th- that's the thing. The squad depth now means that we can actually compete. I feel I feel we can compete better in cup competitions and Troy Parrott is going to lead us to League Cup glory this this season. (laughs) You heard it here first. 
Nathan, we'll finish off with some further reading. You've got something you'd like to recommend. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, the the Stats One season preview, historically uh, written by James York, has been uh, taken over by uh, our good friend uh, Joel Wertheimer. I don't think I've ever said his name out loud before. Um, so yeah, the Stats Bomb, I mean, you know what you're getting if you've ever read Stats One before, but a, a hugely tact- uh, statistically in-depth look at our summer and the season ahead of us and last season and the general trends even more long term than that there's some really uh good data viz bits in there and on the ways in which we've improved and, and the ways in which players have improved and also the ways that we have fallen apart over <laughs> different periods of time yeah a really thorough uh preview of the season to come that that is definitely on my reading list for um friday night i i'm looking forward to that i think joel writes really really well he makes uh stats accessible um, I love what Statsbomb are doing with their visuals, but I must say I don't understand them all. Um, actually, if you could just stay on the line after this, and just talk, <laughs> talk, talk through me it. through. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really helpful. Um, Nathan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Nice one, mate. And uh, yeah, I hope you're all in, as excited as we are about Spurs' new signings and the season ahead. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.